Hey, today we're going to be finishing up our series in Taking New Ground. I uh, can't wait to get to that. But before we begin, I want to share with you just for a moment that next week we're going to be beginning a new series. It's entitled Finding Faith in Jesus. I am really excited about this. And really the heart behind it is for you to invite your friends to join with you in watching uh, this two-week series. And we're going to really be looking at the Foursquare Gospel. We're going to be looking at Jesus as Savior, Baptizer in the Holy Spirit, uh, our Healer, and our soon-coming King. And it's a way to introduce people to real faith in Jesus. And so I know you have people in your life, family members, neighbors, co-workers, friends, people that you've probably shared with before, or you've prayed for, or maybe you think, man, they're just so far from God, I, I just don't even know. But this is your opportunity to this week invite them. And there's a lot of different ways you can do that. We're going to be putting out some materials uh, on our website and on Facebook where you can just, you know, uh, send information to people. But would you pray now about who you might invite to join with you next two weeks, starting May 31st and the first week in June. And we're going to have this great series, Finding Faith in Jesus. Right? You ready for that? It's going to be good. Hey, so today we're wrapping up this series called Taking New Ground. Now, you're going to remember that we started this series in Joshua chapter 1. And all the way back there, we had found that Moses had just died. Everything in the nation of Israel had been flipped upside down. No one knew what they should do. There were more questions than answers. Have you ever been there? Now, I think that the, the place that Israel found themselves back then, Moses dying, kind of the rug being pulled out from their feet, uh, not knowing what to do is really similar to the circumstance we find ourselves in today with this pandemic and just everything going on and people out of work and people sick and people dying and people on both sides of the political spectrum, just you know having so many different opinions about the right way to go forward. What is going on in our world? Well, that's exactly where Israel found themselves in Joshua chapter one. But into that reality, God said, well, what, what do you, but it, if it was me, if I was God, I'm like, man, these people, I don't know if they can handle anymore, right? It's time to like take a back seat, just chill, just, uh, you know, you'll figure things out in time. That's not what God said. In the midst of that reality, God said, it's time to advance. It's time to take new ground and move into the land I promised you. So this book that we've been studying, man, I don't, it could have been called probably a lot of different things. Maybe the book could have been called The Promised Land, you know, or Israel finally makes it to their home. But it was actually named after the man who followed God and led the people of Israel to take new ground. His name is Joshua. Uh, to me, this is really interesting because man, when you think of like the heroes of faith at the beginning of scripture, I mean, you, you know, there's Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. Yeah, none of them had a book of the Bible named after them. So really, Joshua is kind of in this elite group of individuals in the Old Testament that had a book of the Bible named after him. It, pretty incredible. 
And this is a, an amazing man of God. And so today we want to focus on this man, Joshua. What can we learn about taking new ground from his personal story? Now, I want to, we're going to skip ahead to Joshua 11. And there's a couple of verses in here that the warring has ended by this point in the book of Joshua, kind of about almost halfway through the, the book. And, and there's, they're making some comments about Joshua that I think are really significant, really important. And in verse 15 of uh, Joshua chapter 11, we read this. As the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua. And Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all the Lord commanded Moses. Man, I love these words. Joshua did it. He was a doer. And it says he left nothing undone. I mean, what a legacy to be a doer who leaves nothing undone. And check this out. It says that he did what he'd been told to do by another man. It says, you know, that the Lord spoke to Moses and then Moses commanded Joshua, this is what you need to do. Now, God spoke to Joshua as well, but for much of his life, he was not in charge. Moses was. Joshua, Joshua for most of his life was kind of maybe you could say leading from the second seat. And I can tell you that is the story of my life. You know, a lot of you know me now, you know, as the lead pastor of Santa Maria Foursquare Church. But the truth is, I didn't come into this role in Santa Maria until I was almost 50. And this is my first lead pastoral assignment. Been here just over five years, loving it. But for the rest of my life in ministry, I mean, I started out as a youth pastor. Um, I worked uh, for Foursquare in, in a couple of different roles in districts and even nationally. Uh and I was an associate pastor at a couple of different churches. But listen, this is the first time in my life and in my ministry that I've actually been the, the kind of the lead guy in a role. I mean, all the way up until I was almost 50, I'd always been kind of like Joshua. Well, I wasn't in charge. I was serving under someone else. And I love this about Joshua, that he understood that his job was to get it done. It didn't matter that he didn't have a title. It didn't matter that Moses was in charge. He knew that it was up to me to get it done and to leave nothing undone. And I think for us, we need to understand that if we're going to take new ground, man, we can't wait for a title. We can't, we can't say, well, one day, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that for God. One day I'm going to get after, you know, these things that I know that are on God's heart for me. It's not one day. It's today. It's time to get stuff done and to leave nothing undone. That's the legacy of people who learn how to take new ground. And I remember, you know, one of the parables that Jesus told in there is embedded this truth that if you are faithful with a little, that God is going to give you much to be faithful over. And man, was that the story of Joshua's life. Man, I pray that's the, that's the legacy of my life as well and yours too. So then also in chapter 11, we go to verse 23. 
and check out what it says there. It says, so Joshua took the entire land. I mean, just pause right there. He took new ground. Joshua took the entire land just as the Lord had directed Moses and he gave it. He gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. Now, what a beautiful thing. The land came into rest, and we pray that for our land. We pray that not only for the United States of America, but we pray that for the entire world, that our world would come to be at rest. And I know that's that's happening, and, and we're praying for that daily. But this is so important. Listen to these words again. Joshua took the entire land, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel. I love the fact that he did not take the land for himself. Now it's clear, he was the leader. I mean, he was he was the champion. He was the one that God had even appointed to, to be the leader. I believe that so many wanna take new grounds so that they can keep it for themselves, set themselves up as the king. But Joshua had a different spirit. See, whenever we take new ground for the Lord, we then have something that we can actually give to others. He took new ground, he took the land, and he gave the land as an inheritance to others. So whenever we take new ground, we have something that we can give away as an inheritance to others. Or in reverse, if we fail to take new ground, friends, we have nothing to give, right? It's like, man, if we don't get free from that addiction that is like trying to claim our lives and suck us into a dark hole of misery and destruction, if we don't take new ground, right, and freedom from addiction, what's the inheritance that we're going to be able to give to our kids or to others around us in our lives? Man, if we don't take new ground in our love for others, wow, what do we have as an inheritance to give? We're going to be we can only give what we have received in the ground that we've taken. We don't have knowledge of God's word. We haven't taken uh, new ground in really learning God's word and understanding his promises. What do we have to give as an inheritance? Man, I am so indebted, just my life personally, to the leaders in my life who paid the price to take new ground because they took me with them on their journey and ended up gifting me with an inheritance of such amazing value. I was just thinking this week, it's about the pastor that I grew up with in the church when I was a kid, Pastor Jack Hayford. Man, so much of what he said just you know went right over my head as a kid growing up, but he instilled in me, gave me an inheritance of a hunger for God's word that I've had really all my life since the day I was just a young kid growing up at his church. Now I think about my youth pastor, Ralph Torres, who gave me such a passion for worship because he had that. He had taken ground in that area of his life and he instilled that in me, gave that as part of my spiritual inheritance. Man, I think about my dad who gave me such a faith to believe in miracles, 
that God didn't only do miracles in the Bible, but that we can see them happen around us in our life today. And I think of my mom, who gave me this deep and grace-filled love for other people, especially for broken people. And she opened the doors of our home to, to people that we had we had foster kids in our home, uh, some of them through the system, some of them not through the system. They just ended up on our doorstep and would come and live with us. And not only did we have foster kids, we had some foster adults that lived in our home. I remember one lady who was, who was still battling heroin addiction and my mom allowed her into our home and she got set free. And her life was so different because of the inheritance that my mom was able to give her. Why? Because my mom had taken ground in that area of her life. She knew that our home didn't just belong to us, right? But she knew that she could not only be fruitful with this beautiful home that, that God had supplied for our family, but she could multiply that gift by being generous and extending hospitality to others, even those who are very broken. See, all of these people in my life they paid a price. They paid a high price, really, to inherit the land that they had inherited, to take new ground. Now, I just think of the hundreds of choices that they made individually to press on in the Lord, even when it would have been so much easier just to give up, to turn around, uh, you know, to be to self-protect and say, well, I, I can't take new ground. I've, I've just got to, like, look out for myself and for my family and but man, they made hundreds of choices to press on. And they spent hundreds, thousands of hours in prayer, in practicing these things of the Lord, and really even in pain. Prayer, practice, and pain. And they invested these things to take new ground. But that caused them to have something of worth to give away as an inheritance to me and to so many others around them in their lives and in their ministries. So I'm left with the question, I think you are too, what ground are we taking so that we will have something of real value to give to our kids, to give to our church family, to give to our neighbors, our community? So we're gonna skip now. We're gonna skip forward in time all the way to the end of the book of Joshua. Uh, well worth reading all of this, but it comes to the end of Joshua, chapters 23 and 24, right at the end of the book. And, and we're going to look particularly at one amazing statement that Joshua made that was so powerful that it captured the essence, I mean the core reality of Joshua's entire life. It's such an amazing statement. So we're going to take a look at that. So in chapters 23 and 24, what we find is that these are a powerful farewell speech that Joshua made to the nation that he loved. In it, and please do read it, but you're going to find that he encourages Israel to continue loving God. And he reminds them of God's faithfulness to them at every step. And he also warns them of the devastation that would come if they were to begin worshiping other gods and breaking covenant with the Lord. But so now we focus on these two verses. It's verses 14 and 15 of Joshua chapter 24. 
And right here, this is like this culmination of this farewell speech. This is like, this is the moment right here when he just brings it home. And he says this, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, the gods that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, just drop the mic right there. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But did you notice what he says just up a little bit from there where he said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Right? If this seems undesirable to you, then figure it out. And I just ask you, I mean, we, we need to stop and ask ourselves, what is it that you truly desire in your life and for your kids, for your marriage, you know, in all the different areas that, that make up your life? What is it that you desire? What do you truly want? What are your greatest hopes? So like Joshua said, choose. You have to choose. And notice, he said, choose whom you will serve. He didn't say, you know, choose if you will serve, but he said, choose whom you will serve. I was reminded of Bob Dylan's famous song, you're going to have to serve somebody, right? Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And that's exactly what Joshua was, was speaking. Everyone chooses. Get off the fence. If you've been vacillating with, I don't know what I really want. I mean, man, am I going to serve the Lord or am I going to serve myself? Am I going to, you know, just choose. Get off the fence and choose today. And that's not said in any kind of anger or frustration. It's just the reality that we all have a choice to make. Who are we going to serve? And then he gets to that bottom line statement. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, this isn't just a drop the mic statement. I think this is a drop the anchor statement. Now, I don't know, but maybe this was the first time that Joshua had ever made that particular declaration out loud to others. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe it was the first time he ever said that out loud, but I believe that that very, that the essence of what he spoke really was echoed all throughout his life. I believe that that declaration is one that he probably made over and over throughout his lifetime. And this declaration was one that had anchored Joshua's life to the Lord. And what an amazing life that Joshua had. 
and you know we've been looking over these past weeks we know that Joshua was an amazing warrior man he'd even been a spy he was now this fantastic leader but here's another couple of things that I don't, I don't know if you know really about the life of Joshua. Did you know, and you can go back and read this in Exodus, but did you know that Joshua actually went up on the mountain with Moses when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments? Like all the rest of the nation of Israel is down at the base of the mountain. And did you know that Joshua was on the mountain with Moses and God? I mean, can you imagine just what he saw, what he witnessed as Moses was interacting with the Lord? And there's one particular scripture that just blows me away about Joshua's life. And it was found way before the book of Joshua. It was found back in Exodus 33, verse 11. And I want you to look at this verse, listen to this, because it shows something so amazing and so beautiful about Joshua's heart. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. I mean, what an amazing beautiful picture of this this young man who was not only a warrior and would be a spy and this great leader but you know where he started he started hanging out in the presence of the living god right it was like this amazing church service and man god shows up and the worship is so beautiful and powerful and there's a message and people are responding to god and then everyone walks out the door except joshua joshua said I'm not leaving here. God showed up here and I just want more of him. And so he would linger in God's presence. I think that is so remarkable. And, and, and I really don't know. So when this decision that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know when that decision was inked in Joshua's soul. But now here he is. And he's at the end of his life. And he declares after everything that I've experienced, the presence and the power of the Lord, my choice has been made. I'm serving the Lord. Now, I'm going to challenge all of you to serve the Lord too. But even if you don't, I'm serving him. See, to take new spiritual ground, we have to be people who make the decision. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I want to ask you, what's the big deal about my house, right? It's like, we know what it means to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. Today I choose to serve the Lord. But why did Joshua specifically say, my house, for me and my house? I believe that that phrase, my house, speaks to where you have authority. Joshua was saying that whatever I'm in charge of, I'm going to make sure it's aligned to serve God's purposes. Now, it starts with me. It starts with saying, my choice, right? For me, I will serve the Lord. But it goes beyond that. It has to start with me. But I believe that, that God is saying that everything that I've given you authority over, 
bring that with you as you follow me. So your marriage, right? My marriage, is it aligned to serving God's purpose? How about my kids? And am I, am I stewarding their lives with the authority that God has given me, not to lord it over them, but to help make sure that their, their lives are aligned with God's purposes? How about my money, right? Am I, am I stewarding my money, what God has given me authority over, to make sure that my money is serving the purposes of God, not just my own? How about my job, right? How about your job? What about your time? Is your time that God has given you aligned to serve God's purposes? So Joshua was saying, right, in this, in this passage, like, I have no control over you. You're going to have to decide who you are going to serve. But I am in control over my life, the life that God has given me. And I'm also in control over what God has given me my house. So everything I can do, right? Everything that God has given me influence over, I'm going to use that to serve God's purpose. That's what I am choosing today to do. And I believe that that is the heartbeat of someone who knows how to take new ground in the Lord. Now, after his speech, towards the end of Joshua chapter 24, in verses 29 and 30, it says this. It's so beautiful. It says, After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. That last little phrase, that they buried him in the land of of his inheritance. I think it's it's an amazing, uh, powerful concept. Joshua's final resting place was in the land of his inheritance. Now, what a powerful legacy statement. Because it's a statement of fulfillment. When it's all said and done, when our story comes to an end, you and I are either going to find ourselves in the land of our inheritance Right, that place of fulfillment where our life's vision is complete. Or we're going to find ourselves in a place where our life is left unfulfilled. Now, remember what we'd read about Joshua back in chapter 11. It says that he had left nothing undone. How about you? How about me? Are there things in life that we have left undone? Things that we know that we need to get after that we may have left today undone. What a great reminder to get after those things, to be a doer, someone who leaves nothing undone so that we are going to be able to come to rest in that place of our inheritance. Let me ask you, what kind of inheritance do you really want anyway? Is it money? You know, that'd be nice, I suppose, you know, what wouldn't hurt. But what's even greater for an inheritance? Now, I, I remember one of Jesus' closest friends, John, put it this way. It's in John, Third uh, John, actually, uh, verse 4, where he says this. He says, I have no greater joy, no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
Now listen, uh, right there, that's an inheritance. That is a legacy that I believe is worth fighting for. It's the kind of inheritance that, that I want. But you know what? That's also the, the um, reality that Joshua got to experience in his own life. Because the very next verse says this. It's found in uh, verse 31 of Joshua 24. It says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. Now that's pretty cool, but then it goes on. And it says, and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So Joshua experienced this generational blessing as part of his inheritance. Not only did people follow the Lord during his lifetime, but also in the lifetimes of all the leaders who outlived him. Man, I think about that as a pastor. Now, I, I don't want you just to, you know, come to the Lord and follow the Lord while I'm leading you because many of you are a lot younger than I am. Man, and I think about people like Devin. I think about people like Gilbert. I think about people like Mike and Roxanne and Beto and Amelia and so many others who I long for you to have a faith that outlives me and that part of my inheritance will actually be that you will serve the Lord far longer in the years to come than when I'm your pastor here. So how do you get this kind of inheritance? It is the outcome of a life lived for Jesus. It's the fruit of those who have chosen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So some of you, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't know that, that God has chosen you. He's not just saying, choose me. He has chosen you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's such a beautiful passage where Peter says that and reminds us today, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own. Once, Peter says, uh, you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So, friends, you've been chosen by the God who loves you and has shown you so much mercy. So now, choose for yourself to set yourself apart for him. God's desire is that we would continue to take new ground and to live a life that is so rich and full that not only will we get to give an inheritance to others around us, but we're going to get to finish our days resting in the land of our inheritance. Let's pray. God, today we need to come before you as Joshua did and come to that place of decision. What, am, what are we going to choose? Is it desirable for us to, to walk away, to follow after other gods or the gods of our own making? Or are we going to surrender our lives fully and completely to you? To get off the fence and to say, today, I choose for me and my house, for me and for 
Everything that I have influence over, I'm going to make sure that we are serving the Lord, that my life is aligned, God, to your purposes. So today I'm going to ask you, friends, is that your choice? Are you saying yes to the Lord? Are you saying yes to him? Man, I'm so proud of you for making that choice. You're not only aligning yourself with Joshua, but you're aligning yourselves with a family of God who loves you and wants to walk with you and support you on your journey. We're here for you. Let us know how we can be of support, how we can pray for you, how we can encourage you. And next week, join us again as we talk about the fundamentals of what it means like to be a person of faith in Jesus. We're going to see you then. And remember, church, you're loved.